0: If you enjoyed today's podcast, please be sure to share us and subscribe so you don't miss our next show. We'd love to talk with you again. What's up my people? It's Friday, 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 and primary election eve in South Carolina. Let's chew the fat for a spell about what's going on in this wacky presidential primary season, shall we? Donald Trump, the presumptive Republican nominee, has been stoking the fire of a discussion about his potential running mate should he secure the nomination. During a Fox News town hall, host Laura Ingram asked Trump about who he was considering. Some names listed included former candidate and Florida governor, Ron Platforms DeSantis, I made that name up, not Trump, South Carolina senator and former candidate, Tim Scott, fresh off selling his soul, former candidate and number one Trump fanboy, you betcha, Vivek Ramaswamy, chair of the House Republican Conference and battle-tested MAGA general, Elise Stefanik, Florida representative and 2020 election denier, Byron Donalds. South Dakota governor and contender to replace Sarah Palin as my favorite cute and crazy Republican governor, Christy Nome, And former Democratic congresswoman and 2020 presidential primary candidate, Tulsi Gabbard. That one came out of left field. Ingram asked, former President Trump, are they all on your short list? He confirmed, they are. Before adding, honestly, all of those people are good. They're all good. They're all solid. That's interesting. Ron DeSantis didn't come anywhere near Chris Christie in taking Donald Trump to task on the campaign trail, but he flirted with calls for accountability, kind of like a child banging things on the floor and putting them in its mouth experimentally. Trump prefers sycophants. He has that in every other person on that list, even the former Democrat. We'll look into that in a minute, but back to Ron DeSantis. Ron has pretty much been a store-brand version of Donald Trump as far as inflammatory right-wing statements and actions. He obviously secretly worships Don Maga, but realized if he was going to get his chance, he would have to say mean things about his idol on the campaign trail. He said some things, but while the words were there, they had no visible passion behind them. Still, in Maga world, any dissent is heresy, even calculated dissent. After dropping out, DeSantis did endorse Donald Trump, But he must still wear the brand of a heretic. It's certainly nothing like the Inquisition in store for Nikki Haley, but still a mark on his record. Why would Trump consider DeSantis? I actually don't think Trump heard the question. He's not really a listener, and he just says words all the time. It's like a reflexive need to fill silence with words. Any words, even if they don't make sense. Let's look at where he said this. Honestly, all of those people are good. They're all good. They're all solid. As a writer and speaker, that whole thing aggravates me. He said the same thing three times, and it wasn't particularly informative for the time spent repeating it. It's a common verbal tick the guy has. It's just a bunch of words piled together with no thought behind them or goal to achieve other than to fill space. Listen to his speeches, and you will see this repeated every time. He just says things. Things should be said. People need to say things, and they don't say things. But he says things. He says things a lot. See how insane that sounded? Don't do that anyway i don't believe he even heard the host mention ron desantis's name he wouldn't have had anybody in his inner circle that wasn't ready to kill for him and desantis continues to be disloyal having the unmitigated gall to say in a call to supporters that donald trump should not play identity politics when picking a running mate what are we to assume he means when he says now we have diverse Republican Party, I want everybody in the fold, don't get me wrong, but I don't want people representing 10-15% to 15% of the party being in the driver's seat. Who are you talking about, Ron? I think I know. DeSantis also denied he had any interest in being Trump's vice presidential candidate. The Trump campaign's national press secretary, Coraline Leavitt, in childlike fashion, clapped back, Ron DeSantis failed miserably in his presidential campaign and does not have a voice in selecting the next vice president of the United States. Funny. Just a few days before, Trump agreed DeSantis was on the list. Did he change his mind, or was he just not paying attention? Back to Tulsi Gabbard, though. What? How did she get on the list? Who is she? Born in American Samoa, she was elected to the Hawaii State House of Representatives in 2002 and led the opposition to gay marriage in the state. Huh. Democrat you say? Hmm. While in the legislature, Gabbard enlisted in the Hawaii Army National Guard and in 2004 was deployed to Iraq for a year. Her deployment drove her decision not to seek re-election. After earning a commission to second lieutenant, she was stationed in Kuwait in 2008, one of the first women to enter a Kuwaiti military facility. She was also the first woman to receive an award of appreciation from the Kuwaiti National Guard. After returning from her second deployment in 2009, she was a member of the Honolulu City Council for a year before running for the United States House of Representatives. She ran for and secured the recently vacated seat of Mazio Hirano, who was seeking to move up to the Senate. Gabbard won the primary with 55% of the vote and was invited to speak at the 2012 Democratic National Convention by Nancy Pelosi, who called Gabbard, quote, an emerging star. Gabbard won, and in doing so became the first Samoan American and Hindu in Congress. In 2013, Gabbard was elected in a unanimous vote to serve as vice chair of the Democratic National Committee. She clashed with then-chairwoman Debbie Wasserman Schultz about the reduced number of presidential primary debates and the stipulation that any candidates who participated in unsanctioned debates would be excluded from future ones. The situation escalated when Gabbard was asked to, quote, "...consider not coming." to the October 13, 2015 Democratic debate in Las Vegas. Tulsi further called out Wasserman Schultz for overtly favoring Hillary Clinton in the primaries and ended her vice chair service, resigning in 2016 so she could endorse Bernie Sanders. Gabbard was the first congressional member to endorse Sanders and gave the nominating speech for him in the 2016 Democratic National Convention. Tulsi Gabbard served four terms in Congress, announcing in 2019 she would not seek re so she could run for president. This made her the first female combat veteran to run for president. Gabbard made the stage in three debates, but failed to qualify for the fourth. She accused the media and the Democratic Party of rigging the 2020 election. She did still endorse Joe Biden on the way out. As an observer of the 2016 elections, I would agree that the fix was indeed in for both cycles. Hillary Clinton was obviously the anointed candidate in 2016, and likely based on whatever quid pro quo deal she arranged in the 2008 primary for her to step aside for Barack Obama. 2020, much like this current cycle, was Joe Biden's time. There is no real voice for the voters in these party primaries anymore. This cycle should drive that point home with undeniable finality. There were claims that Hillary Clinton said that Russia was, quote, grooming a female Democrat to run as a third-party candidate who would help President Donald Trump win re-election. The obvious implication being Tulsa Gabbard was that person. A Clinton spokesperson, Nick Morrill, when questioned by CNN about this, said, quote, if the nesting doll fits, <laughs> clever, other Democratic candidates rejected this whisper campaign and Gabbard filed a defamation lawsuit against Clinton in January of 2020. Another person who defended her was, wait for it, Donald Trump. Aha! I don't mean aha like there's a smoking gun in a conspiracy, it's just we now see that he was aware of her back then, which makes it less off the wall that he is talking about her now. In 2020, Gabbert left the Hawaii Army National Guard to join the California-based Army Reserve Unit. She was promoted to Lieutenant Colonel in 2021, and she still serves. In 2022, she left the Democratic Party, accusing its leadership of cowardly wokeness, anti-white racism, being hostile to people of faith and spirituality, and dragging us closer to nuclear war. She wasted no time campaigning for and endorsing Republican candidates in the 2022 midterms. Some of the people she supported included J.D. Vance, ew, and Curry Lake, wow. Gabbard is now a paid contributor for Fox News. Okay. It's all starting to make sense now. I was just embarrassingly unaware of what Tulsi Gabbard has been up to since her failed presidential campaign. That's on me. Yep, she's got the right MAGA flavor. She hates the right people. She's a Democratic convert going from Bernie Sanders to Donald Trump. Wow. She's the perfect choice for the Trump ticket. I'm calling it right now. So as I was gathering news items for today's show, upon pulling in this week's catch, I found a shoe in my nets. It was a golden shoe with stars and stripes on it, besmirched with Cheeto dust. What are these ugly things? Oh my. Why, these are Trump branded sneakers. We're doing this now. They have to be better than Trump steaks, right? Real thing. Look it up. Raymond Arroyo made remarks on the big weekend show while discussing the $399 limited edition shoes that Trump promoted at Sneaker Con in Philadelphia last Saturday. Quote I'll say it again. Quote, I did not say this, Raymond Arroyo said this, this is connecting with black America because they love sneakers. Arroyo said, this is a big deal, certainly in the inner city, so when you have Trump roll out his sneaker line, they're like, wait a minute, this is cool. He's reaching them on a level that defies and is above politics. The culture always trumps politics, and Trump understands culture like no politician I've ever seen asked if people excited about the sneakers could vote for Trump. Arroyo said, Anybody willing to put 400 bucks down on a pair of sneakers? Yeah, I think that's commitment and love. It's something. It's affection. <laughs> Jeez. Ray, buddy, maybe you should sit a few rounds out, my man. That was stunningly racist. The confidence with which that chain of stereotype-laden dismissive swill projected from your mouth like pizzazoo Pea soup was chilling. You should shut up now and decline all incoming endorsement offers for fried chicken and malt liquor. Do better, Ray. (laughs) Anyway, Trump's selling shiny kicks now. Hey, he'll slap his name on anything. He's a tireless self-promoter. No hate. It's good for business, and that ability to think about any and all opportunities to get you and your name in the conversation and pivot to capitalize on them has served him well. Divorce yourself from the man and your feelings about him. Don't worry, he'll continue to provide us ample opportunity to pull back in shock and disgust. Ignore the player. Focus on the game. Like it or not, Donald Trump is a candidate for the current day. I know, I know, but you must admit he is the definition of an influencer. I don't particularly like that vocation and lament the fact that people seem entranced by narcissistic idiots staring into their cell phones and regurgitating inane self-aggrandizing crap but I'd be pretty foolish to to pretend that it's not a thing. We all would be unwise to pretend it's not a very impactful thing in our Western world. It does serve as a canary in the coal mine of society from my perspective. A seemingly large segment of society has mothballed their individuality, given up on thinking, stopped dreaming, and moved to what is, in essence, a subscription-based personality. Ideas and opinions are no longer domestically produced, to borrow a business metaphor. They are all imported goods. The irony that TikTok is from China is just too on the nose to be funny, but I digress. People don't have ideas anymore, they consume them like a product, and the results we get in people's behavior and the society that is built from the behavior of those people are predictable. In this environment, somebody like the orange man is a perfect weapon. Look at the people that insinuate themselves into popular culture and even what passes for news these days. Just like Jake Paul staging fights to pump up his brand, just like insert random Jenner girl posting pics of her cartoonish posterior for likes at all, the Cheeto does the same thing for the same reasons. Trump never misses a chance to get you looking at him, talking about him, loving him, hating him. At the end of the day, it is always and only ever was about him, and America can't look away. That's not his fault. That's our fault. If we weren't fascinated with him, if we just forgot about him, he would lose all his power, kind of like Freddy Krueger. We don't, though, nor will we ever stop paying attention. Much like slowing down to look at a car wreck, we seem wired as human animals to ogle at tragedy and seek out titillation. It's not something upon which to base the core of who you are, who we are, and it's definitely not the metric to choose leaders by, but here we are. I see the pro-Trump posse attack their ideological enemies by accusing them of Trump derangement syndrome. As it is not currently a clinically recognized malady, I'm left to non-scholarly sources to provide a definition. To Wikipedia! Without getting too deep in the weeds on the etymology of the term, political commentator Fareed Zakaria once defined the syndrome as a hatred of President Trump so intense that it impairs people's judgment. This tracks with the general uses of the term I've seen. Now, to be fair, yes, there are people on the opposition side who see that the man's very existence... They put on lipstick and stare at themselves in the mirror while Goodbye Horses plays on the stereo, cursing Trump. They blame him for everything from the $8.4 trillion added to the national debt during his four years in office, which is true, to the local Starbucks running out of soy milk lattes, which is not true. They do exist. But what about the other side of TDS? The one where the love of President Trump is so intense that it impairs people's judgment. That very much exists, too. You see it when people proudly support him and have no issue with any of the demonstrably terrible and criminal things he has done, and is now telling us he will do in the future. That is cult-like behavior, and as fun as the Jonestown summer camp seemed, the Kool-Aid was poisoned. Watching someone scream from a Trump-themed monster truck at someone in a Tesla that they have TDS is so outlandishly ironic as to look like trolling. Bro, look at you. You're deranged, too. While the Trump supporter is an easily lampooned caricature of an actual person, the Biden supporter is not as funny, but no less problematic. We see them exhibit BDS, as they pretend all the stunningly overt signs of Joe Biden being an ineffectual crook in accelerated mental decline are there. It's the same sickness, and it's just as dangerous. Biden will be demonized by his enemies in much the same way as Trump. That's the flip side of BDS. Sufferers of TDS and BDS both pro and con, are not people to be taken lightly. They will drag us all down if we let them. And what a great segue into our next story. The Republican presidential primaries in South Carolina are tomorrow. Be there or be square. Can Nikki Haley get some momentum against Donald Trump and springboard towards turning this thing around on Super Tuesday? Well, recent polling doesn't paint a great picture for her. In a February 20th Emerson College The Hill poll, Haley trails Trump 35% to 58%. In a Suffolk University USA Today poll, it's worse, 35% to 63%. Those aren't great numbers. Tracking with ones conducted in New Hampshire before her 43% to 54% performance in that race. There are 50 delegates up for grabs in South Carolina, and Haley needs everyone she can get with everything stacked against her. It is at this point established that the Republican voters are strongly in favor of Donald Trump. Haley consistently scores lower in polling with MAGA voters that appear to have a stranglehold on the grand old party. She does score much higher among independents and Democrats, though. Haley hoped this would help her in New Hampshire, which is a semi-closed primary state. There, only registered party members and unaffiliated voters can vote in a primary. A registered Democrat could not vote in a Republican primary or vice versa. But an unaffiliated voter could vote in one or the other, but not both. Haley hoped to woo unaffiliated and disaffected Democrats willing to unaffiliate from that party to vote for her in the Republican primary. It didn't work as well as hoped. The entry of Dean Phillips into the Democratic primary and the resulting aggressive Biden write-in campaign to salvage what was supposed to be a non-event that turned into a potential debacle on the Democrat side certainly sucked away a lot of the potential outside votes Haley was hoping for and may have cost her the state. It's all speculation. She might have still lost anyway, but we'll never know. She left the Granite State with only nine delegates to Trump's 13. Between the earlier loss in Iowa and subsequent ones in Nevada and the Virgin Islands, she has only secured 17 delegates to Trump's 63. She needs to gain ground in South Carolina, her home state. South Carolina is an open primary state. This means there are no restrictions for anybody to vote in any primary, other than that they can only vote in one of them. The Democratic primary in the state already went down, with Joe Biden delivering challenger Dean Phillips a crushing defeat. That win was fueled by only 4% of registered voters in South Carolina, though. 131,000 people voted in that primary. 96% of the potential votes in this state are still on the table. How many of them are Democrats who didn't vote in their primary? They can vote in this one. How many are independent? They too can vote in this primary. How many of them want to see four more years of Donald Trump? We might just find out late Saturday night or early Sunday morning. A win here, regardless of the means by which it was delivered, would shake the Trump camp. He casts himself as a winner when he wins, and that he was somehow cheated if he loses. See 2020 for an example. But even if outside influence of Democratic and Independent voters hands Nikki Haley a win, a win is a win, and Trump would be staring at a TV screen saying, Haley wins South Carolina, he would absolutely lose his mind. He would grab the nearest cell phone and start those chubby orange thumbs a tap sending out a barrage of cringy social media posts. These would energize his followers, of course, but it would also further drive home to his opponents outside the Republican Party that this is a make-or-break election cycle, and Joe Biden is not the guy to get the job done. He might get lost on the way to the convention. It might have ripples over there in their coronation, uh, I mean primary. I already see at first a trickle, but with rapidly increasing volume, op-eds and thought exercises in the media, the mainstream media of all places, how they can push Biden respectfully off the stage before or during the convention. This is after an overt and unapologetically rigged primary to this point, with challengers actually purposefully left off ballots with no legitimate explanation. They are so culpable in this sham that even their Republican counterparts are likely blushing." That's a tough position to walk away from, to be having public conversations about filing away the man you've been trying to force-feed down the throats of your constituents for nearly a year, but I'm glad to see y'all coming around. South Carolina folks, this is a pivotal one. If you are down that way and can vote, vote. Politics is a depressing and anger-inducing subject, I get that. But like it or not, it affects our lives. You owe it to yourself, we owe it to ourselves, to get involved. We very much will suffer the consequences of these decisions, so we better make damn sure we're included in these decisions. Have a great weekend, everyone. If you're down in South Carolina, get to the polls, and I'll talk to you all next week. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, please take the time to leave a comment here and on Podchaser. It helps us know how we're doing and what topics you'd like to hear in the future. Have a great day.